Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Each week we discuss life's hard financial questions in the sections ahead. What we try to do is to bring information that is contemporary and newsworthy, but most importantly, to help you make smart decisions about your financial life. Jeremiah, in the in the midst of what's going on in the world right now, um, I guess my question is, do we know when the selling's going to stop? Um, do we do we know the bottom? Yeah, do we if, know where the bottom's if, at? If we could call it and we could get it right consistently, we uh, we'd be way, very wealthy folks, right? They'd be walking in. That that is a, a question that whenever there's a bit of a downturn, you know, a, a big drop like we have here, or even a downturn, people are always looking for the bottom. Um, there's uh, it's one type of analysis that people do with stocks called fundamental analysis. They're looking at the, the the earnings of the company, the cash reserves of the company, the amount of new customers. They're looking at all the details of the company, trying to come up with a fair value. Whenever the value gets too far below or above that, they say, oh, time to sell, time to buy. So they don't really have a sense of the bottom other than saying, wow, this company just went on sale. It's getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And we think it should be, you know, say $12 a share. And it's it's selling at $10 a share. We just think you should buy it. That's kind of the fundamental side, looking at the, the core of the business. The other side is, is um, technicals, um, basically looking at the, the chart of the stock. So not caring about what their sales were, not caring what their cash reserves are, but actually just looking at the stock price and saying, um, you know, one, one common thing is they'll do a, a rolling average. Just say over the last 60 days, the stock has always been trading between $10 and $12. You know, they put these little bands on the stock. You've probably seen these on online or people who are saying they have a system, you know, to help you make right. trades. Um, and, but in that analysis, they'll say, you know, over the last 60 days, 90 days, you know, even 120 days that this stock is traded within this band of prices. And then when it falls below that, they'll say, oh, this is new. This it's is called unique. a moving average. You know, yeah. we look at it, you know, it's within a 60 day or 200 day moving. I mean, you'll hear this comments by, by, you know, television commentators. Yeah, talking right? heads and whatnot. And as the stock falls below the moving average, people take note. And they'll say, wow, this means something. And you'll hear different people say different things of what it means. But that type of analysis gives you some averages and some normals and then says when you're outside of that. And so for both of those, you know, if the stock goes way down, you know, it's hard to call the bottom. It's hard to say this is the very bottom of where it is, but they can say this is not normal. And so either, you know, the world is different than it used to be, or we're simply in a moment where things are going to recover. And, you know, in the short term, the world's always different than it used to be. Mm -hmm. But in the long term, the world's the world, you know, and world and, is the world. And to say that what happened, you know, at the, after the second world war, what happened during Korea, what happened in the seventies, all that applies to where we're at today. And the question is how much, you know, how much does it apply? We're, we're in a different world to some extent, but on another comment, we're very similar and things will go up and down. Yeah. I almost want to, I want to tell people to be Rip Van Winkle, uh, go to sleep for five years or whatever and wake up and look at your portfolio. You would have missed all the emotional um, intrigue, I guess, however you want to, I mean, just the emotional ups and downs. 
but your portfolio will probably be higher than where it was when you started, when you went to sleep. So oftentimes people, they look at their values on their on their holdings daily. I had one, I had one person I just talked to. She says, Oh yeah, I look at it every day. I said, stop it. Mm. It's going to drive you crazy because you're going to be delighted when it goes up, but you're going to be absolutely depressed when it goes down. And I said, you can't, you got to stop it because emotionally it just is not going to be forgiving to you. Yep. There's a good analogy. Someone talked about you buy a home, you you purchase it and you move your family into it and you're owning it. And they say, what happened if a week later, someone um, came to you and offered you to buy it at 50% of what you bought for it. You would just tell them no. No, <laughs> and you, that. you would never consider it because yeah. you're not going to sell your house. You know, it, it's your home. And similar idea that just but your house is not appraised every day. You know, I guess Zillow and Redfin are trying to well, do that. It gives you opportunity. Right? But, yeah, right. But the idea being, if you're not going to sell it, if you're not thinking about selling it, if you're happy with it, well, then don't have the emotional roller coaster of thinking that just because the market or what someone's offering to buy it that day is the value it has to you. And, and so it's just interesting in real estate, we would, we would just ignore someone like that. You know, mm-hmm. we'd say, well, you're just silly. This is my home. Go away. Whereas in stocks, sometimes we say, oh no, they must be right. What have I done? I've lost right. so much value. Um, and, and I think that resiliency to say, no, this is a good future investment. And, you know, most people don't think about the value of their house in a significant way until they're looking to sell it, until they're thinking to move. Well, again, real estate in itself, I mean, people that invest in real estate, and we have a number of clients that do that. And we're, we actually like real estate, uh, particularly, again, the, one of the biggest areas uh, of risk is leverage. And when people margin, I think we've seen this in cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies have lost literally a trillion dollars over the last several six, months. Six weeks. Six, six weeks. weeks. I mean, yeah. A trillion dollars just evaporated. Just it's boom, incredible. gone. Because cryptocurrency has no intrinsic value. And we've had, we had a lot of conversation with clients. I don't think it's appropriate for your account. If you want to use it as almost like going to Vegas and put a few dollars on it and then fine. Yeah. Is there value in blockchain? Absolutely. But I don't want to take this segment to talk about that. But the bottom line is it's extremely volatile. And that's not what you want to be building your portfolio of long-term holdings in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw last week um, the growth tech stops stocks were pummeled. And then you had the um, retail stocks were pummeled. Um, and you know, as, as things are, are changing, you know, the question is when, when will this stop? When will we reach the bottom? And like I said, if, if we knew that it would be a whole different story, but no one. I always tell people, if I knew that I wouldn't be in Riverside. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a Malibu house. But yeah, who knows? The, uh, but the, at the bottom, you know, what a lot of people say, and you know, we don't think this is what, you know, it, you know, hang your hat on, but you know, there's a number of articles that talk about when you get to capitulation or sometimes they call it the puke, <laughs> they get to a point where a point where. People say, well, I don't care what the price is. Just get me out. Get me out. Just get me out. I can't take it anymore. I'm out of here. And we're, you know, not without predicting things, but we're talking about, you know, maybe bonds, you know, the bonds we saw the last few weeks, you know, people were selling at all sorts of prices, which don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Didn't make any sense. So maybe that was a moment where people said, I can't take it in these bonds. I got to get out of here. You know, a question we talked about last week a bit of where do you go? You know, where are you going to go from here? Cash is being eroded because of inflation. You know, we tend to like you know some dividend paying stocks, and but it all depends on each person's portfolio. But the question of when when do all the people who are just barely holding on give up and say I can't take it anymore, mm-hmm. and then the only people that are left in the market are people who say Yeah, I'm here. This is great, and that's when you see the bottom. You know, that's when things start going back up, and and so it's it's, it's the people that are still holding on and saying I, I don't know if I can hold it. I don't know if I can do it. It's when they finally let go. Is that we have the the upward the yeah. flow because they're all out of the market by then. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you sit down and talk with people, the one of the key questions I ask them is, has your lifestyle changed? 
because of the stock market going up and down. Have you changed what you're going to do or how you're going to spend your money or what decisions you're going to make financially? And invariably, the answer is no. It, it really hasn't affected us at all. I said, okay, then just don't yeah. panic. Just stop being grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's an aspect yeah, that, that you know, someone marches around the house feeling they've lost so much money. Um, and on the flip side, you know, the markets go back up and they you know, whistle while they walk through the house feeling they made so much and they're so bright. And it, it, it's, it's difficult you know, to not, of course, your emotions are tied to that. Of course, it's your retirement. Of course, it's meaningful. Um, but to give yourself a healthy buffer um, between yourself and, and to be, start getting comfortable with some risk. You know, we, we've talked that, you know, to put it in the bank feels nice to bury it under their mattress, you know, feels nice, but the reality is it's not going to provide for you in the future. Um, it, so- yeah. And, and you're losing, uh, it is not a long-term solution. And again, I, we look at key indicators and one of the key indicators are what are the institutional investors doing? The institutional investors folks are not selling. Most of the sales are being done by smaller investors on the fringe, and that's what's causing most of the volatility. The institutional investors are being really quiet, but they're holding on. They're not selling their assets. First of all, they may have already rebalanced their assets last year. Uh, We attempt to do that. We talk to a lot of people that we bring to the table when we discuss on an ongoing basis, um, you know, at least weekly, in some cases daily. Uh, is there anything we can do to to protect anything we can see as opportunity and take advantage of? But there is a host of people that we look to. And then we look at the institutions, the large pension funds, the large uh, asset managers, insurance companies are massive asset managers and other wealthy people. They're not selling. They are not selling their assets in this marketplace. Yeah. One of the stories I've heard you tell a few times is kind of the, the farm story. Yep. Um, that's, that, I think it's useful for a lot of folks of just the emotions and the need to have reasonable risk. Yeah. So again, I think, you know, I always have this, I came from a ranching background. And so uh, that, that has a great influence on my, my psyche and how I look at the world. But I always look at the farm illustration is that you've got in the bin, you've got in the barn, you've got this seed that you've harvested. Now, spring comes, you have to take some of that seed out and you have to put it in the ground. You have to plant it. And my, my comment always is the farmer doesn't stand on top of the hill and just throw this seed around. Uh, that makes no sense at all. But he plants it carefully and he makes sure that he does everything he can to, to get a harvest in that next season. But he's not guaranteed a harvest. I mean, there's a, there's a number of things that could work against him, you know, drought, fire, markets, pestilence, you know, a number of things that he would end up with no crop. But this is, this is the conclusion here. If he doesn't plant the seed, eventually he will starve. So if he puts the, the seed, so to speak, under the mattress, you better have a lot of money mm-hmm. because you're going to eat that seed. Now, for some people that are listening to us, if you have millions of dollars, and if you're spending you know, $50,000 a year, you don't worry about that. You can be very, very safe and conservative. You don't worry about the risk of the market, so to speak, or planting your seed. Um, but for most of us, it's a continual aspect. I mean, yeah. you have to continue to grow your capital. That's right. And the thing I really like about that analogy is the seed is what you're eating. And right. it's also your investment in the future. So you have to take what you could be eating you know, and invest it and let it grow and try and be prudent with it. But Man, that's such a good analogy of, of knowing that if, if you kept that seed, if you keep all your money, and you just live off of it. For most everyone out there, eventually you will use it all. And in order to really survive the, the winter, in order to survive the future years, you have to take some of that and you have to put it in prudent risk. And you know, imagine a, a farmer who is low on seed, they're concerned, 
man, are they diligent in planting each seed, you know, making, making sure, sure it's one, planted correctly and right? watched and yep. They pull out the weeds, they make the water, you know, it, it, it's you're nurturing this. And that's a similar thing with investments. And that's what we, we do for clients, you know, that, you know, some clients, uh, not necessarily they hire us to be their, 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 uh, farm hands, but mm-hmm. that's the idea, you know, that, that this stuff needs to be prudent and it needs to be well-invested and it needs to be cared for. And watched. I never thought of myself as being a hired, hired hand, but I think that's, that's a good, that's a good comparison because we're trying to do the best we can for our clients and they're the ones that own it. Yep. And we want to make sure that they're, um, doing a good job in what they're doing. Yeah. So again, I think um, as we walk through this time, I think it's important for you to know that uh, we are not blind to the volatility, what's going on. At the same point in time, we're trying to brace people not to make the wrong choice, not to make the right, the wrong decision because they are fearful. Yeah. Yeah. Fearful, anxious decision is not a good headspace or a good moment to be making some major choices. It's, it's when you can clear away the emotions and look at the facts, you know, that that's what a lot of, it's funny. A lot of our meetings, we have our clients, you know, a lot of it is the numbers and crunching and, you know, providing um, insight. A lot of it is also the emotions of it, of just working through those emotions of everyone has their own relationship with money, um, but getting that in a healthy space to make healthy choices. Yeah. I mean, I, I think on, you know, your comparison, um, you know, the, the downside of when you see your portfolio down I look at on the other side also is that when portfolios are really high and everything has been climbing to extreme levels, people don't harvest. They're mm-hmm. fearful of paying taxes or they believe in a particular stock so much they think that stock will never, ever go down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as though the air, it's lighter than anything else. Yeah. It will continue to rise no matter what the market is. And people make some serious mistakes by not harvesting when, in fact, they've got a great profit yeah. they should be able to well, take imagine off. Imagine your for your farming analogy. If, if someone says, wow, look how much growth I had this year. I'm just going to let these stocks keep growing until next year. They did so well. I'm just going to let them go through the winter. They're going to be great. And as a farmer, they'd be, well, that's silly. You have to, you have to harvest. But that would be in silly, but that is, that's a true comparison. Would right. you leave your crop in the field and not harvest right. it? So happy. Of, look how beautiful it is. Look how much it's grown. Look yep. at my gains. Look at my profits. What, what a great job this is, but you got to get out there and harvest. And you know, that was a bit, you know, in the October, November, December of last year was the moment to be harvesting. Now we're again coming upon, I think, a a planting season, and there'll be another harvest season. And we'll we'll have those conversations, I think, once we get there. But stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk a little bit inside the markets, but a little more about the economy. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. Uh, in this particular section, we want to talk about the overall economy. And I guess the earnings recession, uh, there's two things that are facing companies right now. 
the cost of commodities, primarily in gas and oil, and and uh, Walmart was uh, that was a, re- a reality check for them because they have a lot of trucks on the road. Mm. Same thing with a lot of other um, you know companies like them, Target and such as that. But also they're faced with higher labor costs. So uh, because of this low unemployment, and I don't wish anybody to be unemployed, but it is difficult for for companies to find people. Mm-hmm. And they're having to pay more for that. And then those two things coming, you know, maybe they, maybe they could withstand one, but both of them coming like combined at them, it's really hitting their earnings pretty hard. Shock, yeah. And the, the labor item, I mean, that will work itself out in the sense that as you pay more, you know, people earn more, you're able to raise prices a bit. You know, that's a normal inflation process that usually takes time. That's where but- the stagflation comes in. That's where the conversation about stagflation is going to be just this constant rising, but the economy doesn't, it's yeah, not growing. We're not, not getting higher wages or anything, but so higher wages are generally good. It's just when you have them all at once <laughs> and you have them very quickly and you can't find the right enough people. And that, that's when it becomes difficult. And, you know, there's, there's some folks that we're reading that are you know saying, you know, look, we're doing so well. Look, the economy is too hot. It's really healthy. There's others that are saying, here comes the recession. And, and it's interesting. We have to separate a little bit the market, you know, what you see in the stocks online, you know, what people are trading. And, and also the talking heads, folks. I mean, the, the, the talking the heads, if it's not bad news, it's not news. And so yeah. you have to be very careful what reinforces your bias or fears. Yep. And then we have the other side, which is the actual economy. You know, how companies are really doing, Main Street companies, as well as these big, you know, corporations. And one article I was reading, I think it's really a good comment to say it's, it's, it's much too early to call or not call a recession. You know, that's the way down, that's, that's the ways down the road, the road. But what we're looking at is maybe an earnings recession to say companies, you know, you have the revenues that come in, the costs they have to pay, and that gets them down to their earnings. And earnings are likely going to be smaller because their costs have gone up. And mm-hmm. whether or not the, the increase in the prices they charge can match with that. There's a number of companies, Walmart's a good example, that they're still going to get materials and goods on the shelves. In, in fact, their sales in the areas that they're best at have never been higher. Yeah. They've just had phenomenal growth in those areas. So they're selling a lot, you know, stuff's moving, mm-hmm. but the question is what was their cost to do it? And the costs are going up faster than that increase in, in sales. And so yeah. because that you have an earnings squeeze. Yeah. We don't have any insight as to what Walmart is doing internally, but I can promise you this, they are scratching their heads and they are trying to analyze what they can do to bring down their costs and to be more proficient in uh, get to that profit and that bottom line, as well as every major company in the United States is doing the same thing. That's mm-hmm. that's the beauty of capitalism. That's the beauty of free enterprise is that everybody is trying to figure out how do we get around this bump in the road right now yeah. and get to the next level of growth. Right. Well, what's the famous quote that uh, necessity is the mother of invention? Sure. Um, you know, I could see all sorts of great things coming out of this of, you know, how they function their supply lines, um, a number of things, but people needing to do something different, needing to do something better. I mean, even the idea of remote work, you know, that was required, you know, when we had the pandemic, whereas now if your talent pool locally isn't what you need it to be, you can't find the workers, right? You know, how many of those workers could be living in Wisconsin or Colorado mm-hmm. or Florida mm-hmm. um, or Canada? I mean, where, how could you retool your business to still do what you need to do at a different cost? I was speaking with a business owner recently that they were talking about putting one of their centers, uh, I think it was in Georgia, they were talking about, they're just saying the minimum wage is different and they're not planning to pay minimum wage, they're planning to pay you know, a bit above that. But they're saying what we'd have to pay a person here in California compared to what we'd have to pay them in Georgia like we're happy with the discount and the person in Georgia is happy with a good paying job. They're saying this could be a, a real win-win to get some great 
folks, but it used to be because of their, the way their business structure, they couldn't have someone remote. It was, they had to be here. Whereas now with technology shifting and their business shifting, they said, well, maybe we can have people that are fully remote in another state and this could be a great job for them. And this could be a great win for us. So it, it's a new um, question that people are in. So th there's innovation. That's what I love about our, our country and some of the, the ways that we're structured in our economy is that business owners and employees can be innovative and they can yeah. do things that improve how they do business. I mean, there'll be some painful moments. I mean, if people um, are not willing to be retrained or increase their education, become more adaptable to the changing environment uh, as companies leave and move, that's the issue of our company. I mean, our country, I mean, in a sense is that not everything is going to stay the same forever. Yep. And, and that innovation is changing things rapidly. Yep. And per, with that, I, I think I want to take a moment just to talk about personal finance. Like anyone who is you know, not struggling or not, but you know, in this economy, you need to really put a fine point on your budget, on right. how you deal your finances to make sure that you get through this, you know, at a personal level. And, you know, we are, spend a lot of time, you know, educating our clients of, of how to do some of this personal finance stuff better. The thing I find hard in this industry is if you Google these ideas, it's not that you get nothing, it's that you get this tidal wave of oh my information gosh. that may or may not even apply to you. Right. And so one of the ideas I just want to promote a little bit is um, for some basic personal financial education. Um, I wish they did more of this in schools. I wish, I mean, my, my parents are where I got my initial education from um, as far as how to make a budget, how to deal with debt, how to deal with finances. But man, if, if people didn't have, don't have parents that are teaching that, to, to educate themselves, educate them kids, their, their kids. You know, one, one resource is um, Ramsey Solutions. So Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. I'm sure a lot of people have listening to us have heard that. They do a lot of work within churches and other organizations yeah. like that. He's yeah, a well-known um, financial planner that's, that's become a personality. And his company is full of these great personalities. Well, if you go on their website, they have all sorts of good resources. One that I was looking at recently is they have some curriculum for middle school and high school age kids and, you know, open up some of the videos, they were great. You know, it's, it's people talking through, you know, what does it mean to, to have money? What does it mean to have a savings account? How could you, what would you do about debt? You know, it's these really great basic items. And the, the system they had for junior high, at least was, was 80 bucks. And it's like, man, that could be a great summer program for a lot of kids to kind of walk them through, um, you know, getting into the sense, even for adults, you know, walk through that type of thing, get some basic personal financial um, education. So that, you know, we, we talk about, you know, generally, you know, the public, you know, things are having a hard time. People are struggling. I, I think there's a level which everyone's struggling, but to say for my household, I want to do everything I can to really keep our ship sailing correctly to really, you know, batten down the hatches because we're, we're not done. You know, th this isn't like the economy is going to be rainbows and butterflies tomorrow. Um, but I think there's enough hope that people can get through this and having some good resources um, to really consider your household is really great. I, I think what you're saying is is a great comment, and I think it's a good suggestion for people. Every household should have a financial literacy, and it's one of the things that we look at. Financial literacy is one of the biggest issues, and of course, it's our profession, but we see a, a big gap between what they need to know and what they actually do know, and taking on the Dave Ramsey course would be a one way to increase your financial literacy. If you'd have a topic that you'd like for us to discuss on any future episode, just send us an email using the contact button on our website. Website is retirementunlimited.com or just give our office a call at 951-684-7011. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening.
information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.